0: Oh, my, oh so i'm starting wow, i just really <laughs> feel that um sorry you really didn't can do that not, up very well for me I, I, the I,
1: countdown. <laughs> well
0: no I, as far as i was concerned you were just doing jazz hands at the screen um oh,
2: jamie don't read no, your emails can't see the countdown well i mean well. <laughs> so was that, was there an
0: email i was supposed to have received prior to this read you seem quite exercised about the fact i seem not to know what i'm talking about um a, generally, and B, about um, some sort of a summary that you both have been talking about. But yes. um, before I let you dive in with both feet uh, in a two-footed tackle to cut me off at the knees the way that I can see you... Is that a rugby do, reference? It's sort of a mixing metaphor between rugby and football. I'm, I'm reaching out cup. to... I'm trying to reach out to a broad uh, viewer demographic because, of course, rugby and soccer fans are, uh, sorry, football fans are what we find on Star Trek podcast audiences. But no, I would like to take this opportunity. I I would like to take this opportunity to invite you to concede that maybe before setting me this episode to watch, knowing what you do about my dietary preferences, you should maybe have given (gasps) me a trigger warning. And That's you might really want point. to give that to various of our listeners because
2: well, various Jamie, of our what listeners is...
0: who like me are sane and cannot abide the taste of cheese no, might be traumatised.
2: But are lactose intolerant and then there are people that are not lactose intolerant. Everyone likes cheese except you.
1: all cheese is just the strangest thing i mean very special
0: i I could have done with you giving me a trigger warning about the fact that you were going to sort of isolate me from the rest of humanity in this (laughs) way as well um but you you don't want to take that opportunity to uh to basically um offer a trigger warning to our viewers about the nature of this episode we don't
2: normally do trigger warnings but this episode will (laughs) feature some very highly bacterial cheese
1: (laughs) (laughs) this episode has one of my favorite lines (laughs) 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 Um, i
2: I remember the first time this is bringing back a memory now and it's nice to actually capture this on um audio because i have Mm. no memory of my life but Um, I think you guys were coming around for dinner maybe when I still lived in Putney and I remember messaging Jenny going like oh is there anything you guys don't eat and she was like oh yeah Jamie doesn't like cheese (laughs) I was like Oh, my God. <laughs> Just, <that's laughs> everything. I was going to make like a pasta big. Like a- so you
0: made the most incredible sort of rice uh, long-grain salad that oh, was, yes. I've been I in love make- with for ages, and I still want your recipe of. Yes, um, and every few years, I ask you for the recipe of it. But anyway, should we talk about Star Trek? Just because we have viewers yes. who may not be as interested in cheese-based triple weeds <laughs> as I am. And um, it's
2: tripped on memory lane. So
0: yes. I can summarise the episode in one wait, wait, wait. line if you want.
2: Great, I'm very excited. But first of all, self-congratulations to us because we've reached the final episode of season one, episode <gasps> 16. Have we? And that's why I have my drink to toast. And Jenny, two weeks ago you said, make sure you have a drink. <laughs> Cheers. Right?
0: Cheers. Cheers.
2: Cheers. To quote and David episode-
0: Goggins, don't stop when you're tired, stop when you're done. <laughs> uh,
2: and so this week we are talking about Learning Curve, which is the, the final episode of season one. And before we dive into our one-minute summary, I just have, like, one thing I have to share or say. But um, I don't know if you guys listened to In Our Time with Melvin Bragg. What if you listen to it? I listened to that this morning. Yes. Well, no, I... May not be. Sorry, Karen. For one of the longest podcasts that i listened to. In fact, I remember getting my first smartphone mm. secondhand, buying it from a guy at work. And the first thing I did was download the BBC Sounds app. Because all the mm. like that version of it, the first thing I found was In Our Time, or well, one of the first things, apart from all the Paul Temples, that's a different story. <laughs> uh, but uh, last week, In Our Time had its 1000th episode, which I feel as a big fan, I just wanted to acknowledge because we're on episode 16 and we've got a long way to go. Right?
1: <laughs> we'll be doing this in our 70s.
2: Yeah, so um I just wanted to uh, I don't know acknowledge that. But Jamie. Over to you for your one-minute summary of learning curve.
0: Well, this is very much ad libbed, but it felt as though it was Tuvok's attempt to be the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Met Ratatouille.
2: Met Ratatouille. I don't know either. Of those references Jenny. Can you confirm?
0: <laughs> Our view as well. No idea. Our view as well. So Full Full Metal Jacket is sort
1: of the. Star so like
2: Trek
1: podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and also you are twenty five seconds into your one minute summary. Oh,
0: and, and you are taking up time, so like you know, <laughs> the, to use the football reference, the referees stop counting time. So, Full Metal Jacket is basically the par excellence sort of soldier goes off trains in the army under brutal drill sergeant, and then goes off to Vietnam War war movie of the Vietnam War um of which many of its lines will you know doubtless go down in history and were inevitably used by various of my novice rowers and uh, rowing coaches um but basically it's very much a case of this brutal drill sergeant doing what uh two spends much of the episode doing to recruit and questioning himself while he does but unlike uh, unlike the sergeant, Tuvot actually questions himself and his methods, whereas the sergeant is just endlessly brutal. And Ratatouille is just a food-based drama uh, or cartoon, <laughs> Disney cartoon, film, movie.
2: Ratatouille is on my list and I might watch it this winter. But, Excellent. Um, thank you, Jamie, and then I'll, I'll be more up to date on references. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> okay. We've got and to so- use references to connect with our, you know, trying to Work out. Probably no. millennial audience. <laughs> Probably <laughs> millennial.
2: I am a millennial. Sorry, that is a reference that is <laughs> completely unrelated. Um, so like the last episode of our podcast, we kind of gonna go through it um slightly more structured and maybe more quicker or maybe longer. We never know. But uh just talk about the teaser and then the five acts. Um quite a lot happens, I think, in the last two acts. But in the teaser we start um And Captain Janeway is enjoying a novel on the holodeck when Mm. it's interrupted by some... Well, we'll find out later what's going on. But any comments about her novel or those little uh, Henry and Beatrice Burley that were her... Yes, Jenny.
1: (laughs) I have a comment. Actually, I have two comments. One's on the teaser. (laughs) Um, I think that little boy is fantastic. (laughs) He's such a good actor. And he looks about three. He's so tiny. But his... um, like very over entitled posh English Lord at age mm. five is just brilliant, yeah. like, he's, he's ingenious. Um, but also I was, my second comment was, are we gonna do the, um, what did everyone think of it? Did you like it, Jenny? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes,
2: sorry, Jenny, take us back. Um, yes, so before we dive in, what did everyone think about it? Jenny, begin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no now i have to start okay Yes. That's um, your section, so... I, I, well i liked it um i did find it quite sort of um, like eclectic episode it had like lots of little tidbits sort of going on you've got this sort of random thing at the start with jane in the ho- hollowed novel um in some gothic mansion and then um and then the hilarious cheese um, and the you know scientific uh sort of um you know working out what's going on with the cheese and what, the, what the cheese has done um through the infamous neural gel packs um, Was it meanwhile new? Did the this, cheese like, looked random... steadily
0: guiltier as the episode went on
1: oh the cheese just looked disgusting i mean as a cheese lover as well but also what what is with chakotay i mean yeah <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah i mean i guess we'll wait till we get there but um yeah i enjoyed it though i, I also enjoyed the whole like um i don't know if we're doing the themes yet but um the sort of learning curve, yeah. Um, but should you do that later, Red?
2: That's at the end.
1: Yeah. Okay, keep me on track.
2: Once we watch the whole episode, <laughs> I mean, once we discuss the whole episode. <laughs> okay, uh, but yes, Jamie, what was your initial reaction?
0: Oh, I I loved every second of it. Actually, I, I preferred it to Jutrell. Actually, to me, it was a very Star Trek-y, Star Trek-y, Star Trek huh. episode. Interesting. Um, it, in the you know, it, it touched on. Deep themes, but with warmth, and it had moments of self aware comedy with a certain Roy twinkle in its eye about the fact that basically, uh, the two concurrent plot arcs were one, a bunch of marquee are basically giving, uh, giving Tuvok lip and put through the Star Trek equivalent of full metal jacket training montage, um, and <laughs> two, uh, Once again, Neelix wins the award for most competent professional aboard the Star Trek uh, vessel or Starfleet vessel, by bringing on a cheese that threatens to destroy its entire power system. It sounded you as well. mean something
2: like you said competent there? Did you mean incompetent?
0: I said least competent. Oh, uh, least no, competent. no, sorry, I said most competent, but I said it sarcastically. You know? okay,
2: oh, okay. And, okay.
0: you know, it's better when I tell you that I'm using sarcasm because, you know, that makes it more funny. Like, just like explaining the joke makes things funnier.
2: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just knew you would make, want to make sure you were either I heard the right word or you said the right word.
0: Well, I, oddly, Neelix's incompetence doesn't, you know, make me hate him as much this episode. Because like him, I too have been deceived by a cunning and evil cheese on many <laughs> occasion. And so actually, I feel empathy with him. And I feel that maybe this is a bond f- from and through which Neelix and my relationship can grow, hopefully warmer.
2: Very good
0: instead of just bigger i would hate it to grow bigger and colder because you know that would be bad
2: that would be bad and bad for our podcast i think oh there's some background noise there i'm sorry is that firing papers or something during this call thing yes that's
1: happening
0: (laughs) i don't think that's me
2: oh i don't know it looked like you were moving your hand around so i thought it was you but then it stopped when you i mean it didn't stop when you stopped moving um it can be Jenny's headphones do every time they touch something,
1: they do make a bit of noise. Yeah. Maybe it's me. Um Yeah. Sorry to listeners. This is editing free. So
2: <laughs> you will hear this. wardrobe malfunction. Um Yeah. My, my, yeah, I, I enjoy almost every episode of, of Star Trek Voyager, but one thing you commented on, on a previous episode, when they also started with the holodeck is that like, I realize how often they never go back to the holodeck. <laughs> but, like, mm element of the story um i mean obviously sometimes uh, and this the world's there form a huge part but i was like oh they did that mm, again where they don't mm. really to into janeway's um holo novel um but yes i think it was fun to see tuvok maybe out of his comfort zone and really questioning his ability As some you know all his mm. experience years of training years of doing it and there's a moment where he's seems just... very sincere but we'll get there
0: <laughs> we will although i i yeah, anyway, I, I really love how he questions himself.
2: Yes, we will, I'm sure, discuss that in detail. Um. So yeah, we already kind of start, we've done the first half of the teaser. The first half is like uh in the horror novel where Janeway meets those very cute, precocious children, slightly creepy as well. I also thought that the little Henry Burley, he reminded me of like a money Tom Powers. I don't know if that was just just me. <laughs> um, anything it reminds my about- sister of me. <laughs> Well, yes, it was a bit shocking. He's like a little—I don't want to call it—your Latin's rubbish,
0: so you can't teach me anything.
2: Five years old.
0: (laughs) Also, dear sister, mummy is dead, so you know you can't go and give her your sewing. That was very loving
2: this impersonation, by the way. Um, (laughs) But they like um, kind of abruptly disappear, and there's a problem in the whole novel. And it turns out that um, someone's been doing some repairs. Uh, and so then the kind of next key scene i think in this teaser is uh Tuvok's investigating and he comes across this open panel there's some repairs going on and dolby comes out he's one of the marquee members of the crew and they kind of get into a bit of a conflict because they have different ways of approaching um approaching because Tuvok's like did you notify anyone did you tell balan and the guy's like no i just saw a problem and i decided to fix it and and I was like, and didn't really think about the consequences, which well, he yeah. think is a valid approach, but what did you guys think?
0: No, I, I I, did see that, but he also sort of has the classic argument of anyone who's in an organisation where they need to be coordinated with anyone, of just, well, it's okay that I didn't coordinate with anyone because, you know, I was acting and, you know, I was sorting something out and we got something from it. It was a bit like, yeah, but there are secondary impacts to that, which you probably aren't aware of. And there's obviously a question of clashing uh i'm not going to say professional cultures because that makes me sound like my day job but there's a question of clashing ship cultures and how those interact and blend because you have the very sort of holistically uh focused star fleet protocols aimed at ensuring that uh systems and crewmates interact for the good of the whole and get the best outcome because everything's acting in that way, against the marquee approach of you see a problem, you fix it, and getting the most from the whole by everyone acting proactively and agilely in a a way not dissimilar to one known as uh, submarine thinking um, as a sort of lean way of approaching problems. Um, So it's very interesting from that perspective professionally. I I
2: think uh, in the next, (laughs) in the act one, I actually made notes. And one of my notes is this is the change management section. So I'm expecting a lot of input from you, Jamie. Uh, Um,
0: And no one wants change management input from me uh, about this sort of a thing. I'm ruining uh... the magic. I'm ruining (laughs) the magic red. The conversation has moved on. Yes,
1: Jenny. I do think, though, there's a lot of, um, you know, note to hr kind of moments in this though not just the sort of change management and how to manage a, a team of students and um, how the teacher has to learn too but also just you know the oh wow the moment from Chakotay. yeah oh, yes. we, we,
2: asked, we, are, we are rapidly approaching this so i think um so the, the series kind of, well, the episode starts after the teaser in Jamie's ready room, and they kind of discuss two things. One, there's the gel packs problem. It turns out this is actually pretty serious because they only have 47 mm-hmm. backups, and it will be a huge mission to go into some alternate circuitry. So I don't but, know if you want
0: to, yeah? I was just going to ask for those of our listeners who don't know what the gel packs are and might think these are just something like a soothing gel pack. Mm-hmm. Um, for Bioneural to, explain circuitry. explain what the gel packs are? <laughs>
2: I think we probably discussed it in the first episode, but if you want to just go ahead,
0: go. I oh, know, I really don't. I just wanted to try no, I'm not going to, to bring it. someone else into the conversation. I
2: think it's like human, human electrical circuitry as opposed there. to.
1: Yeah. I would say a key component of the ship systems yes. cannot function without them. Yes. And <laughs> leave it at that.
0: Okay. Um so, theoretically biological.
1: Yeah.
2: But uh, then Tuvok also brings up Dolby's ins- insubordination, as he calls it. I laugh because he said, like, when he was talking about the confrontation he was like he lost control and I was like I'm not sure I would characterise that interaction quite so
0: He was just really rude to him and angry
2: I don't know if you guys agree maybe I mean I normally agree with everything Tuvok says so it's hard for me to say Mm, I'm not sure about
1: that did seem a bit um, yeah I wouldn't have said lost control that did did seem a bit over the top but um, close to insubordination I guess is more accurate that seems more like a Tuvok phrase Mm. yeah Mm. I did I love- have a lot of Tuvok's language throughout this, actually, because yes. like, it was so uh, Vulcan. I guess it was like following things by the book. You know, it was um, it was very clear um, and very this happened and uh, then this happened and uh, the, you know. Whereas you've got Chakotay by comparison, when he's describing, so when Tuvok's describing the scenario to Janeway, and then and then Chakotay pipes in with his thoughts on this Dolby character. It's far more like oh, you know, yeah, he can be a bit aggressive. You know, it's it's more informal, more human. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like the contrast there.
2: More, even emotional, because I think he says, oh, he's probably mm. frustrated. Um, but, mm. and they're kind of trying to figure out what to do. And obviously, Kuvak is pro some kind of <laughs> punishment. Intervention, uh, yeah. But But uh, Janeway proposes um, a training program to help them integrate into starfleet operations and jamie this is when i already with tuvok in charge uh, because he has all the experience from starfleet academy but, but
0: also because he's the one who has something to prove to them
2: yes he has to earn their respect but i mean there were so many things she said uh, that i made notes of that i'm surprised that you're not bringing up unless you want to get there
0: well i just felt that what this podcast really needed was less of an hr focused <laughs> oh, <wow>. approach um <laughs> but uh, no it, it i mean there's loads of things there, like the assumption that it would be Starfleet who are telling them how to do it, uh, the assumption that that's better, the assumption that you know they'd want to, the assumption it's okay just to go and tell them. But there, there is you know a valid point there in that you know interfertilization of knowledge bases is a good thing, but the fact that. It's all supposed to be one way is setting Tuvok up for a very very difficult conversation and interaction, and that might be part of the intent. Um, but I love them the whole the whole show them why we do things, yes. and <laughs> team building. Tuvok can teach earn respect, and there's a bit of mischief in her eyes. Right? She says that, yes. not just I, I. And I think Kathy um, Mulgrew plays it very well. Because you can interpret it as she's just absolutely lost the plot, and is just really keen about doing learning and team activities, and thinking it's going to be great. And she's like, the twinkle is incredibly naive, or it could be an incredibly knowing twinkle of. Well,
1: I think this annoying. won't
0: pan out the way that Tubok <laughs> might think it will, but actually, good things will still come.
1: So, do you, you think that this was um, always supposed to be a learning curve for Tubok as well? You think she had that intention?
0: Oh, I don't know. I just don't know.
1: Um,
2: yeah, maybe. I mean, she knows tubox so well. That, and he's... Mm. And she knows that he's not going to be able to apply his usual...
0: It's a development exercise. Yeah.
2: That's <laughs> for all involved. But I mean, I, when she said, it's not fair to expect starfleet behavior of someone who never went to the academy, I was like...
0: But do, did she say behavioural performance? And I'm a bit like, there, there's some judginess in there as well, of like, they can't live up to our standards because they weren't part of our special school. But like, if I was a McKee person and I, do you see, I'm do not you are sure getting slightly you know, frustrated I, there?
1: I, I, no, I took it entirely as Red Ticket it, it was uh, mm. defending them. Yeah. It's saying, I you like know, that. this is unfair of us to put our requirements on them um social mores okay yeah well i find also funny about this episode right is that actually there's a later episode where janeway goes through kind of the same thing with um starfleet mm. people um because and it, it's all boils down to i think um that in uh there's some line in this episode where they say that on a normal um um ship that there would always be a few people who don't make it through like their first year at the academy, or they, they don't make it through mm. their first um, Starship mission, and then you know they'd go on to other professions. But of course, that hasn't that isn't possible in their scenario. So they have the same problem mm. with, uh, but this time with actually Starfleet uh, cadets rather uh, the than would. Yeah, and then she goes through a similar thing to this episode, what Tuvok's going through. So I quite like that. There's yes. a little of parallels between the two episodes. Sorry, I know I'm jumping ahead. No, no,
2: I mean, that's jump- you can jump ahead to any episode. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, Jamie, I, I did. I, we can't spend too long on this because we haven't got very far, but I, I really thought there were some very classic change management, management phrases, which was like, you need to bring them back at back speed, show them the why, make them feel integrated and feel part mm. of the team. I was like... Well, once again, I'm learning business skills.
0: From Captain Janeway.
1: Uh, skills. Some people call it skills. <laughs> good, 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 wow. It something. Oh,
2: yes. I mean, oh, yes. But I think um, one thing I do agree with is people generally are more like telling people something's changed and this is how it's going to go never works very well. Mm. Involving people mm. and deciding the change, I think definitely. Helps Absolutely, yeah.
0: But they always change in yeah. the wrong direction. Anyway, carry on. Um,
2: yeah, we have to speed up a little bit. But uh, oh, so we have the first <laughs> just telling campaign.
0: us that this is going to change red isn't going to work.
1: <laughs> Tell us why. <laughs> Tell Tell why is this in need the to process. speed
0: up? Why red?
1: <laughs> we need to speed up
2: because we need to get to bed soon. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a why, but now I don't.
0: I, I don't share in. your why or your burning platform. <laughs> Honestly, Red, your ad car's all wrong.
2: Oh gosh, you lost me there. So, okay, the next scene is the first training session in Cargo Bay. We have four crew members who've kind of been nominated by two at because Jamie also asked him. So it wasn't mm. just Dolby, I guess. Um, so I'll just mention who's there. Dolby, who's the guy who caused the issue in the first place. Garen, I think a young Bajoran. Mm. Um, Chell, a Bolian, the blue guy. Um,
0: He's and a then, wise guy.
2: The blue, yeah, and then they I don't think they ever said her first name, but according to Voyager, it was Maria, and her surname is Ooh. Henley. I only noticed that on the second time Mariah Henley?
0: Part.
2: Yeah. Really? Mariah oh, Henley. Oh, cool. And it she has it. a
0: very festive headband.
2: Yes. Um, But it doesn't go very well. Do you want to discuss what happens?
0: Uh, well, I mean, Tuvok starts off without giving them any sort of introductions to what the whole thing is and just walks down the line of them saying their dress is inappropriate so uh, in reverse order mariah has a festive headband
2: i think Shall- that might be a little bit later
0: oh sorry i do beg your pardon um uh, oh, no, it, 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 if i recall correctly they I start see. on off with yeah. why are we having to do yeah, this yeah yeah Chell says what have i done and he's told that he's disruptive and unreliable and, and he keeps ar- and he keeps arguing and to the point where tuvok just says do 50 laps of the room um and then various of them interact in a way that isn't positive so garen for instance won't look tuvok in the eyes uh dolby says it's insulting and basically incites everyone to troop out mm-hmm. uh showing rank insubordination and when he realizes that everyone else is doing this uh, Chell swaggers out after them giving it a little bit of the big man shoulder swagger.
2: Exactly. And um, I did think I mean only one line I remembered was um, when Mariah or Henley she's like I don't think I have anything to learn from him like talking about two Vulcans. I was like ouch. That's, I would find that very difficult. That's to sort of
0: a confidant of a Vulcan who is probably about 600 years older than you.
2: Yeah but uh, yeah they don't stay. I love the way he tries to order them to stay. It doesn't work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> remain remain where you are.
2: Um, so, yeah. And now, Jenny, I think we get into the bit that you came to talk about. So in the mess hall, yeah. they're kind of discussing, like, can they really get away with this? And they're like, well, we'll just do our jobs, but they can't make us become like staffy people. And Jakote overhears and sits down to kind of hear their side of the story and
1: respond accordingly.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, what's was- your version of the story I've just heard? He was picking on Garrett.
1: I, I find think. this whole scene really strange because, yeah. like, even from the start, the way Jukote enters the room and then he just sort of nudges the Bolian and says, he doesn't even say anything, he nudges at him and looks at him and the Bolian immediately gives up his chair. And Ooh. then Jukote takes the chair and he swings it round and sits on it like, a, you know, like he's... Uh, Invading
0: Dolby's personal space you as he does that. He's, so. he's
1: got a beer in hand. Like, it's so... um I don't know Alpha what it's very is, is strange.
0: Make, no, it's it's, it's very strange. It's got this real, really is.
1: matches stick it's like. like oh, thank you, Red. It's got this really like machismo, if that's the word, and like uh, sort of bravado, and um, it's quite uh, sort of intimidating, but aggressive kind of, and. You know, so already you're thinking, what, what on earth is going? It's a bit like he's had a character transplant. And then, of course, it ends up after they've given their explanation and him saying, right, so it sounds like you want to do it the marquee way. And, that and, okay, we'll do it the marquee way. And, and of Spun. course, then he basically physically assaults him, and lifts him <laughs> up, punches him, threatens him, almost strangles him. And I just find this such... The first time I watched this, I actually thought there was going to be some kind of storyline whereby the problem with the jail packs was something that actually infected the personalities of the crew caused mood changes, you know, yep. cause they had some kind of infection and that there was something actually, uh, wrong with Chigote. <laughs> and no, no, apparently that was, um, that's a part of his character. Although I, I didn't find that particularly weird that scene because I, I know he has got that sort of, um, streak of, um, I don't want to say violence that's too strong but you're rebellious. Uh, yeah rebellious and he knows how to look after himself that kind of thing but I I don't remember ever in the seven seasons being uh so shocked at his behaviour behaviors in that one um it does even now still seem very out of character to me
2: mm. yeah I mean yeah I don't really have anything to add I think you're 100% right Jamie um what do you think you're you can give us the male perspective Maybe oh, is- I, I have
0: no insight into male <laughs> uh, machismo and um, you know physical dominance and assertiveness and ring and all of that sort of stuff. But Jenny hits the nail on the head. He is quite aware when he enters the room that he's going to have to assert authority in the way that presumably he did when he was on a marquee ship. So all of the posturing and the machistic sort of chest puffing and physical assertiveness is a prelude to the fact that he's going to need to assert himself physically and he's showing who is the alpha under a certain code of what alpha means in that environment um but i do like i do sort of like the timing because he goes so uh so you want to what you're saying is you want to do things to the marquee way yeah smack he just punches says <laughs> me out it's just was right
2: left-handed um, so punch I was like, that was the main thing I noticed because it looked a bit. Oh, sick,
1: I think. is he left-handed? Jesus, or was that just like for the camera angle? Yeah, thing? maybe yeah. just for
2: the camera angle. But, but I was like, oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I get his. What well, I get the point he's trying to make. Yeah, and, you know, I do agree. Um, obviously, like, if you're going to descend to, you know, everyone just does it the, the way they want, and, like, that, you know, there's a reason <laughs> why they have rules, you know, um, and it's, you know, so that everyone can work uh, collectively together and um, be efficient disagree. and
0: successful. I, I slightly disagree there, because I, I don't think he's doing it because oh, um, sorry, I just had something wrong. I don't think he's doing it to demonstrate the difference between rules and lawlessness, but I think he is offering them a choice between two different sets of governing codes, because obviously the Starfleet one under which they're protesting against is the very one that protects them from the marquee code that um, he demonstrates effectively when he hits Dolby. Uh, and he gives them, effectively, although they probably don't realise it at the time, a choice between the marquee code and the Starfleet code. And by just avoiding the confrontation with him, they opt for the Starfleet code. If that makes sense.
2: Well, they do opt for the Starfleet code. And I guess that's a good point to move on. But I do think, I mean, like Jenny said, even just from the minute he like takes that guy's chair, it's like, wait, what's happening? (laughs) he's, He's like, slotted into his like Starfleet. I mean he did go to the academy, right? But he mm. then yeah, he's kind of not that, that but he has this like gentle demeanor, he's like so respectful mm. of everyone and then suddenly he's like punching people. He's like what's going mm. on? But mm. the only thing I can think of is well the thing that something reminded me was um if I think about how the Klingon ships are run. They yes. are like run <laughs> purely by electric spiders. I'm like I guess maybe the marquee ship was somewhere between Starfleet and um Klingon ships was what, yeah. the name of that? You species? Your, your video? I know. I know,
0: I'm just moving to get a charger, I do beg you your pardon. Ah, yeah. uh, production you values of... through the roof here. it's a tightly <laughs> run ship.
1: You, you also can hear all the moving as well, <laughs> there's lots of background noise. Just, <laughs> uh... Do you know, Red, you remind me when you say that about the Klingon ships, About there's an episode in um, one of the others, I guess, uh, First Generation or something, where uh, Worf, the Klingon. Yes. Is it,
2: is it Worf? Can... Yes, Maybe.
1: I think this is yeah, his character. He, there's some kind of like, uh, and please forgive me, this is completely wrong season and wrong character, but um, he doesn't exchange. like, And the Klingons give one um, of their crew members to a Starfleet ship and vice versa. Do you remember that? And and so it's that kind of thing where the, I think it's Wolf who goes on the... Is it Wolf? Oh, yes, yes, yes,
2: yes. I think so. This is ringing
1: a bell. Yeah, but you know what? I think it's not Wolf because Wolf would have known already what the culture is on a Klingon ship. Understandably, it's one of the other ones.
2: He has like a where? son as well, who has to. Orange... Anyway, we're getting a bit. Mm. Derailed. Anyway,
1: yeah, yeah. So, let's let's move on.
2: <laughs> yeah, so basically, as you said, Jamie, they're convinced to go under the Starfleet kind of conditions for now. And so in Act Two, it starts, and they have turned up for their first proper training. Uh, this is where Tuvok does conduct some uniform inspections um i did love the way when he gets to chill and finds the gold chain hidden under his like top But well, the way he says what is this i mean i can't do a tupac impersonation but his oh, delivery is, is so good um and yeah i don't know if we want to spend a lot of time on their uniform um demeanors misdemeanors but basically they're told to report back in 1900 hours for their kind of first assignment um or first kind of intense training session Um, The next thing we see when engineering and Dolby is talking to Torres and he's like, I'm not really sure I want to do this training. And what did you think about her response to him?
0: I loved it (laughs) because she's both stating an obvious truth that part of their rebellion is due to insecurity as opposed to actual outrage. But she's also using that as uh, what feels like a a nod back to the marquee code of accepting all challenges of uh of using that to challenge them to pass the training
2: but yeah i kind of actually forgot that was she was former marquee until we just got mm-hmm. to this point but yeah you're like yeah she's that's just... why
0: dolby's whinging to her
2: yeah no exactly it makes more sense but she's like well you're just whinging because you're afraid you can't do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> very cling on
1: as well We like yeah.
2: that. do you need anything to add
1: no no i enjoy the balada moments in this Yeah. Mm. Well, and, I'll have things to add to, to some of her other scenes later.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I I just love the fact that in the very next scene, she's the one who thinks to take a mechanical uh piece of equipment to the doctor and ask him to scan it. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor is trying to improve his sensitivity by not talking about scanning the gel pack in front of the gel pack.
2: That was very funny. I mean, she has this genius brainwave to take the gel pack to... um the doctor, because it has biological components like we discussed earlier. Mm. And yes, uh, she asked something about the condition, and then um, I actually wrote down his line, but it was very funny. He's like, to discuss the patient's condition in front of the patient would be a serious breach of professional etiquette. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> like, don't worry, my little friend, which, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I love that. so ridiculous coming out of the doctor. Well,
0: um, he might actually feel a kinship for it, because he's, it's one of the few Mechanical or not, how shall I put this? Organically alive things with that is mechanical with whom he might feel a sense of kinship, as you know, he too is a piece of equipment.
2: Hmm, I didn't consider that. That might be true. But it's
0: mostly funny to take the piss yes, that back, I think. It,
2: yeah, um, but he figures out that, um, there's an infection, uh, yeah. right? And um, <laughs> any medical knowledge. To add, Actually, yeah, I think the only thing I also noted, Don was that the crew's not in
1: danger of getting the infection. They don't really. Know. Yeah, it was an interesting. It's an interesting one. I won't spoil it, but um, it's one of these ones that's a bit of a, a medical um, detective, uh, medical detective episode again. So at first, in this scene, they think, "Oh, the patient is sick. The gel pack has been infected with the bacteria." Um, and yeah, they double check that it obviously can't transfer to humans. So everyone, uh, well, not humans, um, just you know crew members um so everyone else is safe but they have to you know put in standard um sort of protocols for um like isolating the infected um mm. gel packs and um they think that will solve it but you know there's more to it as we later find out
2: yes um and the final scene in this act is this uh two box rigorous field training slash boot camp slash <laughs> montage
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant it's- yeah, uh, it's like but, Rocky, the, the low budget sort of a very 90s version. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so but they did a 10 kilometer run, but also a warm up. I so it was pretty, pretty challenging. So that warm up was through the Jeffrey's tubes. Did I get mm. that right? Because I was like, wait, yes. i are starting to run now, and they had those packs on. Uh, but yes, Which... it was a lot of. <laughs> Montage of going up the Jeffreys tube, down the Jeffreys tube. Yes. <laughs>
0: down the tube. And also the immortal line. Um, Attach your packs. Guard against Chaffage.
1: Yes, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that because it's it's very realistic. If you're a runner, like that's crucial, you know, to work out where the chafing areas are going to (laughs) be. I didn't
2: even hear that. I don't know how. You Um, didn't
0: hear Tuvok showing concern about chafage Yeah, what sort of almost passed around a jar of Vaseline? (laughs) How do you know he didn't? I resent those slurs on Tuvok's athletic preparation.
2: Uh, but yes, they get. I mean, it sounds like a, it looks like a very challenging. Well, for me, watching on my couch, it looked pretty challenging, <laughs> and uh, it reminded me a bit of rowing training. Um, and they kind of complete, or they most well, some of them have completed when Tuvok reveals that he increased the gravity by ten percent, which I thought was pretty unfair. <laughs>
1: it's hilarious.
2: Um, but he says you never know what to expect, or you must be prepared. Um, and then you kind of sends two of them to complete because they've been lapped. I think um. Uh, and then tells them they're gonna do it all again tomorrow and they'll be able
1: to be better. So I was like, oh gosh.
0: I will expect improvements in your performance level.
1: Yes, exactly. He so- obviously hasn't learned about you know the value of um, proper recovery.
2: No, <laughs> maybe two voks don't get DOMs because I feel like he's, <laughs> like <a dom>. he's, <laughs> he's, he's red, he's
0: a Vulcan. That's but- true,
2: they probably don't get DOMs. Um okay, we're getting to act three. Very good. Uh I think, um, in the transporter room, it's just a very minor scene, but I had to comment on it. Um, what is Chell doing? Jamie, you're laughing. Do you want to explain? Or Jamie?
0: No, I don't. I,
1: I mean, I can, <laughs> but I don't remember any of the technical terms. But all I can say is it's the equivalent of being told to scrub the toilet with the toothbrush. whole <laughs> yes,
2: <exactly>.
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> process that's calculated by Tuvok's estimate to take 23.6 hours to complete degaussing the teleporter array.
2: Yes. As you said, he, I mean, I, I also didn't write down all the technical details, but he's got to clean the te- like the, he's busy cleaning De-gauss. the parts. Yeah, de- but with what? Um, so some kind of, there's an alternative process that would take five minutes and he's got to take over <laughs> a, a human day to uh, do it. But <laughs> well, he's quite good natured, um, this boolean. Um But I also did love the way he said Mr. Tubak, the way there was something about the way he delivered him. Um, his mom, which was very, very good, very funny. Um, mm. But, yeah, so the next thing, we kind of have a major scene because the next scene we're on the holodeck and um, voy- uh, Voyager, two has prepared this, mm. like, war games exercise or simulation where he hands over to this crew, this ragtag bunch, and says, mm. you to get through this. Um, and, you know, anything can happen and, you know, you have to make decisions to deal with it,
1: I mm. guess. I have a question. Yeah. H- who... Could, did you guys work out what they had done wrong before T-Bot no. told them? In the I think organs? they were
2: doing pretty well, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, oh, they all sound like they know what they're talking about. They can read the things on their things. I mean, that's not a very good explanation. And uh, the Berlin, um Chell, when he was like, you know, when there was like that um, Ferengi ship that was sending the distress call, he's like, they might be faking it, and like these guys mm. are good.
1: I, yeah, I feel they were doing everything perfectly by the book, but but I do think at uh, the point where I think one of them was something said something like, uh, I think they they knew that they basically weren't going to survive. They were like, let's just hurt them as much as we <laughs> can. At least like, we'll go
0: down guns blazing,
1: let's <laughs> go down fighting. And I said that probably isn't very stealthy. Is yes. No, that
2: is very true. Very good. Again, somehow that passed me by. Um, yeah so they basically all end up dead because two Romian warbirds decloak on Bowside side or whatever um, and they outgunned I guess I was making notes so feel free to oh, correct me
0: but, but I yeah. think the thing that gets to Tuvok at the end of the scene is how straight and uncomprehending their rejection of his suggestion of what they should do is received Um, So you just can't understand why they don't see the logic of that. Uh, Also, I very much like the fact that uh, they made a reference to uh, the Star Trek trope of Kobayashi Maru by saying it's an unwinnable situation.
2: Ah, yes. So I think, I mean, a couple of things actually now that come up. But yes, I mean, he says to them, did you not consider retreat? And they act as if like this is, I don't know, the worst
0: possible. Retreat?
2: And that's what makes the Marquis so different to Starfleet and, I guess, in their eyes, superior. But, you know, by Tuvok's mind, being alive <laughs> superior.
1: Well, yeah, he makes logical arguments of, like, well, the, the least damage done and the few fewer lives lost is, is the, you know, outcome you're aiming for here. Uh-huh. Um, I do think he does this scene really well because um, he's got this sort of, like, confused questioning look on his face as to um A, how can't you see the logic in that? And B, um, he has a great line which I'm so terribly sorry I don't remember exactly, someone else better correct me, but it's something to do with repeating your mistakes. Um oh, and yes. you're doomed if you do not learn from your mistakes, you're doomed to repeat them forever. Um and I mean he makes a good argument, man. <laughs> He's convinced <laughs> me. <laughs> it's a great line.
2: He really does. And then um I thought I mean I don't know we, yeah, I don't think you have anything to add, but I think it's Dolby. He's like, well, we're never going to be Starfleet, something like that. Like we're too different. And then he kind of storms out, and everyone follows him. But my impression was at that point, not everyone is actually in agreement with him. Some of them, I thought the way they acted and walked out, they were like kind of disappointed. They'd failed at this exercise and were like, you know, mm. kind of halfway to the, through this change exercise, <laughs> for want of a better way of putting it. But
1: mm.
2: that's the way I saw it because, he says something and the camera pans around and they're not, I don't think their faces are like in complete agreement. They're more like, mm, maybe we should have tried something else or maybe there's another way of it. Yeah. And then they kind of walk out. It's not like the first walk out where they're like, la la la, stuff you. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I think it's more, more complex in this time.
1: Yeah. It's a meeting in the middle uh, later down the line, isn't there? They... Go on.
0: No, I, I agree. And, uh, Tuvok t- is trying to inculcate the perspective lens of the highest gain to lowest cost approach to them.
2: Yeah, which, which comes up t- again, t- I guess. Yeah. Not, not all I mm. yeah. Um, next, we have that really nice scene in the mess hall with Neelix and the, the aka the morale officer. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he takes his role as morale. And Tuvok,
1: um, what are your thoughts well, this is very exciting because this is the the first scene with the entrance of the cheese.
0: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it isn't. No, Viking it isn't.
1: Player. No, we missed, no we, start miss
0: start we missed the cheese. <laughs> we missed the cheese. We missed the fact that actually um, no, no, I mean, mentioned cheese we to Harry Kim in the Transporter Array earlier.
2: It wasn't we cheese, fun. it was milk. And he had scanned everything and it had it all passed. So I, I just glossed over that. But it wasn't cheese at that point. Mm. So that's why I just yeah. thought. But I yeah, we, so before um, we get to the cheese... Um, but how do
0: we know that Tuvok's sad? Tell us, children, tell us.
2: Well, well, Nelex knows his crew so well. He's like, you're not drinking tea. You're sitting on the wrong side of the table. This, that, and that. And he's like, never no, mind. And he, he doesn't like, have pout. a pad. And he doesn't have a pad, yes.
1: Mm. Like, oh.
2: He might be annoying to people like Eugenie, but he knows how to read people.
1: I, I love this scene as well, T-Vox. Um, obviously, he opens up a bit to Neelix and he's trying to work out how to reach his, you know, cadets, reach his students. And I, I just love know. his pondering on it. And it's almost like, a, but, but I'm doing everything right. I've done 20 years. I've never failed at the academy. And I've, I I've followed a meticulous, strict program and I've set <laughs> clear boundaries and I've done all the correct things. And it's just, and I just, I so empathize I just you know <laughs> that's just what life is like is that you expect things to be like logical and humans to behave in a way that makes sense and of course no one really does <laughs> so um yeah I just I just love that scene
0: yeah I I just love I think the line where he says um I'm not sure the problem I've taught thousands of cadets and I've never once wavered from protocol and <laughs> you sort of think you're teaching a group for whom wavering from protocol and rules and restrictions is everything maybe that's the thing yeah. and as red points out quite adroitly neelix for all that i have found him aggravating does put his finger on the problem and demonstrates it to uh, tuvok showing him some delightful keeler flowers some of which have a stem which is beautifully flexible and can be bent lots and others which are rigid and unflexible and snap when there's the slightest change in their situation. And Tuvok says he understands, and that Neelix is saying that the cadets are (laughs) rigid and inflexible, and Tuvok has to gently tell him, no, Tuvok, it's you who's rigid and inflexible. You need to get to know them. Try some Brill cheese from Split.
2: Yes, so I just have to say, I, sorry, I forget to raise my own hand. Um, I just realised. Um, I don't
0: raise anyone else's.
2: Uh, well, yes. <laughs> um, uh, oh yes, as you are uh, delivering those lines, Jamie, I think you should volunteer for some. Um, I don't know what it's called, doorstop, because I went to call today. You know where you can like sign up to be a part of a program that does reading with kids. Uh, you should definitely do it. You will have a time for reading out loud. <laughs> Way you delivered those lines, uh, um, anyway, very big tangent. Um, and then, yes, I think, uh, yeah, there was a very funny scene as you just described. And then, I think Neelix also says something like, you need to find out what they like inside? And Tubok's like, I'm not sure I have the ability to find out what they are like inside. Seems <laughs> very powerful that he can do that. And then, yes, there's some cheese, like discussion of cheese, and Tubok has this brainwave as they discussing, like, the brill cheese. Mm as he looks up to the ventilation system from the cheese i guess mm. um but yeah i think nelex does a good job there of getting
1: Tuvok to reconsider a few things
2: mm. yeah.
1: yeah i've got to say i at that time i uh, fully agreed with Tuvok in not really believe believing in his ability to get them <laughs> to open up and um i was quite surprised at his hilarious attempts to do it later on with dolby that they did actually result in some level of opening up. <laughs> yeah. Just goes yeah. to show. Just got to I mean, try, haven't you, with people?
0: Yeah, before it's... we sort of skip ahead to that, though, do we, we're we glossing over some, yeah, yeah, some we... key development that happens in this scene. Yes. In the mess hall, which, Red, I think you should take us through.
2: Oh, I'm not sure. I, I think, well, the next act is Act 4, and Janeway is getting Torres to investigate Neelix's kitchen.
0: No, it's too late.
2: What happens in between? I don't have anything in my notes, so remind me.
0: I, I thought that, actually, um, they discovered that there was cheese when Tuvok sees that Neelix... Yeah, Neelix tries to convince Tuvok to have some of his Brill cheese in the mess.
2: Yeah, yeah. I said Tuvok gets a clue from the brilled cheese.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I
2: think Tuvok... Uh, Neelix is discussing how he made cheese for someone's macaroni cheese or something. Um... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, you want to dwell on this because you hate cheese. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Jamie I wants was to I was the in
1: far more detail.
0: I, I was. I Listeners,
2: Jamie doesn't eat macaroni cheese. I mean, that is mind blowing. And also, you have no reason. not Why to eat are we cheese. taking
0: advantage of my moment of vulnerability to mock me? I just think mocking. you're a bad friend.
2: Well, if that's mocking, then you're a bad friend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you are. Um... You're torturing me here by—we're just not yet the best line about the yeah, cheese. Yes. <laughs> I'm no, dying no, go go to go, the go, line. go go I, go! I'm not going to say
2: it, but yeah, I think obviously Tuvok in Act Four has told Janeway his theory, so she has asked Taurus to investigate Nylix's kitchen, and it turns out the cheese is full of volatile bacterial spores. When which is when Bellana delivers the immortal line,
1: "Get the cheese to sick me." it's <laughs> just the delivery it's an excellent delivery from the oh.
2: Oh, so good! I think I only appreciated the line the second time I was watching because I do know the first time I was trying to make the summary and I was like that is hilarious <laughs> 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 I, don't
0: I mean yeah it, it just works for so many things uh, I don't know if you know the, the whole thing from Brooklyn Nine-Nine but you know title of X is sex tape I think it also oh, works for yes. that as well get the cheese to sex tape <laughs> Not a sex pay, it's a sick tape. It's a <laughs> to sick pay. Title of your sex tape. Ah, uh,
2: wow! Well, uh, I love a Brooklyn Nine-Nine Star Trek crossover. That would be
0: amazing. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's crack on before we uh, investigate or examine that metaphor too closely. Yeah. So <laughs> I can see the uh, the expression of horror on my wife's face.
1: <laughs> oh no! I just don't get it. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing something. Well, well
0: yeah, I think
2: it's quite a leap um it sounds funny which is 99 percent <laughs> of the uh joke i think well for me anyway oh, there you <laughs> um so yeah the next oh sorry i'm messing around with my ipad mm. so the next thing we get to is that scene that you just referred to jenny which is Tuvok and dolby in sandrine's
0: yes yeah, it's, it's a sort of weird place for a vulcan and a monkey to try and bury the hatchet in a french hollow brothel but you know let's go with that
2: Maybe there aren't many more social venues programmed into, into the holiday yet, But yeah, I think, I mean, I like the way, um, I mean, I didn't make too many notes. Uh, but, you know, I think at some point Dolby's like, why are you doing this? Or what is the point of this? And Tuvok's so straightforward. He's just like, well, I thought if we get to know each other, we might be able to get along. And mm. um, he's not, he's not you know, trying to manipulate anything. He's very transparent. But um, mm. we need find out a bit more about Dolby's history and past and, I guess, understand why he lucky. Mm.
1: He, um, yes, he's a very angry man, and yeah. um, you know, he has a suitably ter- horrifying history that uh, explains that anger, I guess. Yeah. Cool. And uh, yeah, so you could, uh, I, t- shall I go into it, Red? No, <laughs> um, he uh, basically, um, well, uh, actually, do you know what? I can't remember it well enough. <laughs> I think Jamie should do it.
2: I'm
1: sure you can remember no, it well you enough. Do it, you do it, you do it. Uh, something about he was he was met he met someone he fell in love. Um you mm. know, and that he well he grew up in a very difficult environment. Um and then uh but then he, he was very unhappy growing up, but then he became happy Angry. brief for a brief period when he met someone who he fell in love with. And then that was taken away from him because um she was raped and had her skull crushed. Um
0: by three Cardassians. Yeah, mm.
2: pretty horrific. So he, yeah, it's just like, I mean, this is why it's so good to get to know people because then you find out a little bit about, you know, why everyone's been through something, it turns out.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, two says, I can't beat your story. I yeah. just love the fact it's, it's competitive about, you know, tales of worst stories. Yeah, there's
2: nothing you can share that could be quite mm. the same. But two box also noticed that, uh, Dolby is very protective of Garen so he's like you know are you friends with him are you close to him and we find out that not really but he just sees they're both Bajoran and he sees like um his younger self I think in in this uh, younger Bajoran so he's kind of protective even though he's not very close yeah um and then Dolby's like well you know why did you why is he in the group you know again being very protective and then Tuvok said well he was nominated by Chakotay and we thought it would, by having some goals achieving them everything it would make him happier so they actually put him into that group in the hopes of not really positive,
1: experience. A, yeah, a
2: positive experience
1: yeah i love i love again like two horse delivery there where where he sort of um sort of you, you can it's as if he's um saying his thought process out loud and he said but the process was meant to be a positive experience for mm. everyone <laughs> um, um and sort of as if he's Surprised and shocked to find out that it isn't, yeah, um, which is also kind of comic as well.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, he's so good. Um, but then it, after all this kind of, kind of, um, what's the word, revealing or this kind of sharing, it doesn't, it still doesn't end that well because at the end, <laughs> like, Bobby storms out, says a few things, and is like, I don't want to be your friend, basically.
0: Yeah, and then we pan from that to a close up of the doctor's face over a microscope over the cheese going this is the most pernicious infectious agent I've ever seen how do you beat the cheese that uh, last one was me but I know that's it's not really
1: that? like, how we do say you beat about the, the cheese the he doesn't say that yeah. say this is the most pernicious cheese, infectious
0: agent I've ever seen
1: and that's why, that's why I think that's Jamie's favourite line because he completely <laughs> understands evil cheese
2: oh yes I have to keep reminding myself that Jamie cheese, like cheese
0: literally it's... has an evil deep within and you so can't doesn't. argue with me on that because it actually does
2: <laughs> but, deeper um, in Jenny,
0: fact than even the doctor realised
2: Jamie do you want to take us through the major medical breakthrough that Kez makes I think in this scene no I don't
0: yeah. I don't even want to imagine what she had to do to that <laughs> cheese to get that breakthrough it... <laughs> To me in a so, thrilling
1: um, way yeah so they um can't understand why the treatment isn't working um you know it's I i don't know it's mm. something like they're using antibacterial and you know it's bacteria and it should be working um but they realize that um oh it's actually because it's not the bacteria that's causing the gel packs to malfunction it's that the, the bacteria that came from the cheese actually has its own virus within it um yes
2: like I don't know, remember reading that viruses can be in bacteria or something like that. So I just want to make sure she gets credit.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Well done, Chris. Um, and of course then they know how to treat. Um, although I am a bit, I was a bit confused by the treatment for the virus. I was, I, Cause I, I thought, Oh great. So you switch from, you know, antibiotics to antivirals. Um, but no, they want to raise the temperature Well, um, to em- emulate my- when humans, uh, their temperature is raised when they have an infection. So yeah,
2: Um, we're not not quite there yet. But I think, I was also wondering that because I think then they decide to like bombard it with antivirals. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe none of them work, which is why (laughs) they need to do this heating up experiment shortly.
1: Yeah, Mm. it's just weird though, because I always thought and I could be completely wrong about this, that it was your your fever um, wasn't it's a side effect of your body fighting off the virus. It's not actively mm. helping to fight off the virus so therefore raising the temperature wouldn't do anything oh. um but I, think, I, I mean i don't know i just it was a thought i haven't
2: well, i think let's it. <laughs> assume that the writers grew up with the same whether it's scientific mm. fact or uh, old wives tale that a fever breaks <laughs> like the sickness um but yeah, uh, I think at that point, they're just at that point they still planning on using antiviral treatments. But I'm guessing, I didn't make any notes. I don't know, Jamie, if you did, but they, they also run these experiments to heat it up and um, we'll get there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, so then the, we kind of flashed, well, we switched to seeing Tuwok and his, um, I keep calling them ragtag bunch, that seems a <laughs> bit unfair. They're engaging in another activity in the cargo bay but um, they are affected by some malfunctioning equipment, I guess, as some of these gel packs are feeling. Um mm. And so Tuvok's like, okay, everyone back to your duty stations. So obviously, there's something important we need to take care of. Uh, but mm. they are trapped in the cargo bay. They can't open the doors. And on the bridge, Kim is reporting that uh, the packs are starting to fail sequentially, which is very bad news. (laughs) And they're losing um, systems faster than they can compensate with the backups. Basically every main system on the grid is down. So I guess that explains why they couldn't open the the door. Mm. And then it explains why uh, we see Tuvok and the team again, and they're trying to, I never know, like communicate with the bridge and they can't. The communication is also down. So now they're trapped in the cargo bay, which doesn't seem too threatening at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah a, a bit annoying oh sorry is my ipad and uh, so we this takes us into the final act act five Da-da-da-da-da.
0: unless there's anything Da-da-da. you wanted
2: to add but yes on the bridge now kim reports that life support is failing so again maybe they're also running out of time to test all these antivirals i don't know jenny i'm just making it up <laughs> um, uh, the doctor reports to the bridge to january that heating the gel packs is similar to inducing a fever to fight off the infections and has proven successful in his experience, experiments. Then he wants to cover Taurus's brilliant uh, brainwave or brilliant engineering thinking here. I don't
0: really understand the science of it though. Well, um, I can write,
2: I can read what I typed down.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, re- I'm reading it. I'm reading it. Um, I, I'm not asking you to read what you typed down. Goodness me, mm-hmm. no. Um, but I just
1: wouldn't I, yeah. I like to it. Uh, I just, I just thought they were the ring the plasma <laughs> was
0: like really explosive. Wouldn't that like destroy the ship?
2: Say that again, sorry, Jamie.
0: Well, yeah, I, I thought sort of thought the plasma was like really explosive, energized substance that like would destroy the ship. But apparently, you can throw it around the ship from the warp uh, drive without killing everyone. So apparently, that works. Um,
2: I think, to very, very, very simply put it, they kind of turn the power of the warp core inwards. As opposed to propelling them forwards. <laughs> I was say that. That's the uh, Okay. Heat uh, up the
0: ship as heat will kill yeah, anything heat, that's in one of the gel packs.
2: Heat instead of speed. I mean, all energy is uh, convertible, right? Or something? Is that a thing? It's back from high school physics? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so the plan is to heat up the ship, but without regard to anyone who might be trapped in a cargo bay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um Which Before takes us back. to...
2: Yeah, Tubak and his marquee trainees. And, um, mm. oh, yeah, so, oh, I think I, um, they're kind of trying to take the temperature up more and more. So did anyone, I think we get to 360 Kelvin. Mm. Um, and at that point, just before that point, Blahn is like, I can go higher, but if, I might blow out, blow out some conduits. Mm. And Jane was like, go for it. Did anyone Google yeah. what 360 Kelvin was in degrees Celsius? I did. I trusted you. Oh. 87 degrees.
0: Wow, that's that's really hot, yeah.
2: Maybe I need to check. That's that
0: out. really That's like 13 that? degrees of boiling. Wait, yeah, yeah, you'd wait, be wait, in real wait. trouble.
2: Uh, because the first temperature I got was um. Because
0: 87 degrees, like boiling is 100, right? And we currently live at 18 degrees.
1: The body temperature is 37. Uh, yeah,
0: room temperature is 18.
2: Let me just double. Oh, so, but zero is minus two hundred seventy-three. But let me just.
0: Uh, what no zero Kelvin is like a totally different thing to the scale that we're using. Generally. No, I know it,
2: but it's minus. Anyway, it is eighty-six degrees centigrade according to this conversion calculator on the internet, So um, which is what I used. So that it's was. I mean,
1: I've been in in Egypt on uh, holiday I think It was yeah. in the forties, but
2: kind yeah. <laughs> of live in like the fifties. Yeah. At eighty, wow, that seems very hot. But yes, yeah, sorry, let's go back to Tuvok and his team because things are going mm.
0: pretty badly for them in that locked in that signal. Mm. Yeah, they're trapped. And um, everything's failing. Isolation circuitry, everything.
1: Yeah. yeah so the the, the 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 conduit explodes where they are. Mm. Um, and, and the then plasma will
0: soon turn toxic.
1: Toxic gas, yeah, potentially toxic gas. Um so they're all trying to escape. Um, I can't remember. Something happens to Garen. What happens to Garen? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. So I think before the gas <laughs> comes in, like, obviously they can tell something's going wrong with the ship. So they start to panic. And again, Turok is very rational. He's like, I think we can surmise, basically, that Janeway is trying to do something to deal with mm. the failing gel packs. You um, should trust
0: her to get on with it. <laughs> and,
2: and he kind of assigns them tasks. And basically, I kind of perceive that as just trying to keep them calm. He's like, Garen, you yeah. go check the console. Yeah. We're going to go check for Jeffrey's tube. He keeps them kind of active. Mm, then when all the computers. gas starts kind of pouring in. I think they might have, by that point, it's not very clear why I missed it, have found mm-hmm. a Jeffrey's tube they can escape through. So when the gas is coming in, he's like, that's when he orders them all to mm. leave, but Garen has now gone off on his own to do that other task he was assigned, and yeah. then we have this moment.
0: He was in At the top of a, a gantry, and there's an explosion close by, knocking him out. And Tuvok, as you say, Red, bans the team members from going back for him. Um, which Dolby tries to defy and uh, Tuvok effectively incapacitates him with an arm lock threatening to shatter his arm. If he goes back for him, forces him down uh, the jefferies tube. And then while the three Marquis are making good their escape, Tuvok goes back to try and get Garen and in fact picks him up, starts getting him clear, but then there's another explosion and Tivok is knocked to the bottom of the ladder along with Garing, And then in this moment of tension, Jamie passes the baton.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think I just wrote down one line which I you know I've said this before, but Janeway's philosophy is to risk the many to save the few. Um, My personal opinion, so you may disagree, but in this scene, Tuvok states, I cannot risk losing any more of you to save one man, which is a much more rational (laughs) approach, I think. Mm. Uh, But obviously makes... I mean, that goes back to that argument he made in that simulation, Mm. almost.
1: Yeah, what I also like, though, is that what he actually does is kind of logical as well, I think, because (laughs) he lies to them to get... He basically forces them to go Mm. so that he knows they're safe, and then he knows that he's the most likely to be able to save the other one due to, you know, Vulcan strength and blah blah blah. Mm. Um so in fact he is saving as many as possible. It's still kind of logical he's, he's not letting them all go back for Garen Yeah. He's only letting he's, one
0: he's himself. minimizing exposure while still trying to rescue valuable resources. Yeah.
1: And presumably, you know, the uh, percentage um, likelihood of success is higher if he does it alone. Or if it, well not if he does it alone, but if he does it compared to if say Dolby does it. So there's a little bit of logic still in there.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very um still very within operating procedures for Tuvok <laughs> um, yeah. uh, then we just have a kind of so the, we see T- Tuvok have a kind of gasp for last breath Um. <laughs> then we find out from the doctor because he's reporting from sick that the healing has been a success or heating sorry um... the healing
0: Da-da-da. Maybe
2: getting them their systems online. I just wrote, everyone looks very sweaty, even Kez and I. I mean. <laughs> oh,
0: Kez yeah. especially looks like she's been stuck in a bath and then lifted out of it.
2: expression, yeah. is just like priceless. It was so good.
0: <laughs> the doctor seems very cool and calm by comparison, being a hologram.
2: Yeah, he he's uh, immune. Um but yes, and then the final kind of in the final moments, we go back to the cargo bay and we see the McKee Ma- Ma- mm. crews br- trying to break in and force open the door so they can go and rescue mm. Tuvok and Garen, who are like kind of unconscious. Um, and there, and then mm. we have that like, kind of very
0: touching moment,
2: yeah, team building scene, touching scene. Uh, to wrap yeah, up with,
0: with Dolby summarizing after Chell forces the door open so that the three can get in to get them out, that if Tuvok. Can learn to bend the rules to save one of them, they can learn to keep the rules.
2: Yes, I really, I did. I mean, whoever wrote that line I thought did very well because it really summed up the whole episode. There's a
0: symbiosis and a balance that's pleasing.
2: Yeah. Mm. Jenny, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I think I like that line more and more. Like now, I, at the time, mm. um I didn't, I found it a bit cheesy. Tea. Yeah. <laughs> I found it a bit cheesy. But I think, you know, hearing it from you guys saying it it sounds it's it's over delivered
0: (laughs) like dolby sort of it's too dramatic of old thatcher it should have been delivered grudgingly as opposed to hell yeah skipper
1: (laughs) yeah it was a bit too um uh, overly and, yeah. positive, upbeat kind of, well, team, you know, we can do it, go team. Pick me, for the For the moment, and it, if it had been a little bit more understated, I think it would have hit home actually a yeah. bit harder, but, but I'm, I'm not here to criticise the actors. <laughs> well, I am. Sorry,
0: carry on. I really like Dolby, actually, so
1: anyway.
2: Yeah, well that does take us very nicely into our themes, and then our mm. star player. here, so any any themes you want to... Or any lessons or any yeah broader topics you want to...
0: Do not bring alien cheese onto a ship <laughs> yes. run by gel packs, which might potentially be vulnerable to the common cold.
1: <laughs> I would say that the learning curve is also for Neelix in that respect. <laughs> Don't bring alien cheeses on board.
0: <laughs> Don't... And
1: gen- generally learning curves, I think, are the, um, for everyone yeah. involved.
0: <laughs> Don't challenge Tuvok period, and don't challenge Chikoshe's authority to a Marquee off.
2: Sorry, Jamie, I just saw your your post in the chat. Tuvokaline?
0: Oh, that was when you were saying that Tuvok should have his own brand of Vaseline.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Avoid
0: chafage. (laughs) Um, Which, again, is another theme we can learn from this episode, right? Am I right?
2: (laughs) You're right. I'm very glad I saw that before we stopped recording. And, Jamie, um...
0: For me? Oh, um, I mean, we, we obviously know the, the deep learning to be gained from evasion of the uh, foreign agent in this instance. Um, you know, the need to integrate and blend cultures in successful teams in a way that maximizes the output of diversity of thought. Um, and also the need to accept that learning happens in both directions and is a two-way street. Hmm. I'm just sort of vomiting off screen, don't worry.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't when I was watching this, I mean, I know they're on a, a starship, so there are rules that apply, but um there's something about becoming an adult. Well, I never really became an adult and realizing no <laughs> one can really tell me what to do. I mean I still think that people can tell me what to do. Um and there's something about I don't know, there's something for me that ties into I don't know. Maybe this is a very dark, dark theme, but I think since COVID, a lot of people have realized that. This is just my opinion that they don't need to do what they're told to do. They can just ignore mm. that. And um, I'm seeing that in a minor way, like at work, where back in the day, people would happily volunteer to, like, I mean, maybe I'm going to get some death. I don't know. If it's very strong pushback if anyone resisting, but you know, we go to recruitment events and people would happily volunteer during work hours. It's not a problem. Now to get people to go is like so difficult because I mean obviously I can't order them to go Um <laughs> whatever, mm. um, and it's just like that like obligation or taking things out of obligation is kind of like really coming to an end. So I um yeah I just for me it made me think about society at the moment and what's happening in my opinion. From oh my no,
0: I I do agree with you. We we do need to find ways and new ways especially and stronger ways. Of acting cohesively and in groups without
2: a lot of people just reducing or
0: destroying the individuality yeah. and the individual choice that people are more aware of. I think people it's sort of, yeah,
2: realize there are no consequences for acting kind of averagely or badly. They're like, so unless they're motivated to act well intrinsically, there doesn't mm. seem to be.
1: I, yeah, I think, um, I, I agree, although I, I think, um, it's. It's a shame that there. I would hope that there wouldn't need to be this um, motivation coming from consequences, um, or even from an intrinsic, you know, need to be moral or do good. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think what um, mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying, Red, and, and yeah, I agree that, that that seems to be increasingly common. Um, but I think mm-hmm. what's lacking is the understanding of how that actually helps the individual, because if you've got a community working together to do something and everyone's putting in their bit how that is that is selfish in a way for all of those people involved because it in a good way it will help um, the whole I mean I guess I'm sounding a bit like the board collective right <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you now yeah, I mean, community spirit.
2: Yeah I think um I think it's good that like I mean as I said I I do much less things out of obligation like especially like social engagements and stuff so I'm not running around but I still feel obliged to do some things and I think uh, mm but yeah that was just i just thought i was like i feel like maybe if even further into the future people will watch this and be like why did they ever listen to him <laughs> because we <laughs> might have gone so far to the extreme but that's just my my
0: and, and that's sort of why i think there is a need to work out new ways of encouraging folk and i don't like you know incentivize folk but encourage folk or un- make them understand
2: what you incentivize you get so i mean that's, yeah that's a but
0: there's, there's a difference there's a difference between you doing something moral because you're obliged to do it and there's a difference yeah, between but- doing it for that and for doing it because you choose to do it and i think the problem at the moment is that for so long there has been a moral of or a model of effectively people act as teams or as units or as big cohesives because of that sense and feeling of powerful obligation mm. and in its removal, there's effectively a need to work out how then we, we effectively come up with group action models, which yeah, yeah. Um, are, are taken by choice and are that much stronger because of the fact they are chosen. But at the moment, it feels like post-COVID we're sort of mid-transition to that does that make any sense also? yeah,
2: yeah. I, I'm, I'm not only talking about things that are considered moral i just want to
0: make like, no 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 i i agree i know i'm I know. just talking about like you know social cohesion things
2: yeah just like things that you know
1: like black... like picking up your own litter that kind mm. of you know like in the end the idea is mm. if you if everyone does that it, you know it's beneficial to mm. everyone um yeah but, yeah uh, you know lots of people mm. do um
2: Let's not even get started mm. on this. This is basically the theme of the sitcom I'm writing. So, eh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Auntie Star Player. I'm not sure I'm ready to ask this. Is anyone ready to Me
1: ask- <laughs> I did think about it before, I promise. But,
2: um... I did too, and I was like, I'm sure I'll know by the end of the discussion. But uh, was-
0: I, I think the cheese has come closer to doubting a new prototype Starfleet vessel than the whole of the Delta Quadrant, this series to date. So I think I think that cheese is punching above its weight. So I I hate I hate it given the trauma it's caused me and how triggering I find this. I feel like I'm awarding an Oscar to my gracious foe, but uh, I think we all know where this is going and I'm awarding Star Player to the cheese. Very
2: uh, that seems very appropriate, that's
1: all I can say. Yeah, Don't I get think, me wrong, I feel like I'm using printers. I think um, uh, I, I mean, the thing is though, I did know before coming on to speak to you guys that I, who I wanted to give special mention to though, not star player, but special mention to, and and that is the little boy at the start. <laughs> I just think he's hilarious. Imperious Lord, don't you know who I am? In this like adorable little three-year-old <laughs> is hilarious. Um, but I think star player is going to have to be Vok because there was just some brilliant delivery of, um, you know, some of his lines and his whole mm. i hate to say because it it's so cheesy but his journey you know, <laughs> yes.
2: throughout i was gonna say i think in this case you're nominating him for his great you know i know it's often driven by the actor performance but he did go on a journey he like um <laughs> he under he was self-aware mm. enough to try something new and change and uh mm.
1: but i think he um communicated that well as an actor as well he mm. um you know, you could sort of almost, it was like you believed there was this um, internal uh, dialogue and um, thought process going on um, rather than just, you know, remembering the lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so,
2: no. yeah. I did like the way Belana delivered some lines at some point when she was, like, um, solutionizing this heating mm. up. Because she delivered it as if she was, like, um, what's the word, formulating a hypothesis on the spot. Like, as if she was thinking about, it was like, I mean, it was like, what, I, like... I don't know, I thought that was really good. Not just Yeah, she worked
0: out. out the cheese.
2: No, I just thought... The
0: fire circuit. Anyway, yeah.
2: Special mention, because the way she yeah. did it, and I was like, wow, I really believe she's an engineer figuring <laughs> like out Yeah.
1: I mean, I love her character in general when she's, like, working things out. She's very believable.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to give a star player to Kez because she came up with the... Wait, haven't I read... Because, you know, she's been on this journey of, like, discovering... Um, medicine mm. wanting to help the doctor and all that kind of stuff and mm. i was really annoyed when i was creating the summaries chat gpt kept saying the doctor figures out that blah blah blah,
0: blah.
2: <laughs> oh, it's kez you dumb machine <laughs> <laughs> um really? just to make sure she gets the credit uh she deserves you're
1: a kez fan aren't you Ed?
2: i have always liked kez i have to say <laughs> i know that might be somehow <laughs> controversial i don't know but yes i i like to um, and yes, I mean, obviously I can always give it a two-box. So I'm just trying to think of, to spread the star player around. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think um, anything to add before we quickly discuss next week?
1: No.
0: No,
2: great episode. No,
0: we're, we're there. Great I episode.
2: Say. Uh, well, sorry, not next week, but the next time we will be rev- starting with season two.
0: Season two. two. Oh and I believe that's
2: called The 37s, and oh yes, oh baby, I don't know how everyone feels about this episode, but this is when they land up on a planet where there are eight frozen bodies from space, and one of them is Amelia Earhart. Oh
1: yeah, I remember this. Amelia who?
2: Amelia Earhart?
0: Okay.
2: The woman, the female navigator pilot that disappeared. Am I getting that right?
0: Obviously...
2: Yes, I know, but <laughs> you sound surprised. I mean, I can understand just, why surprised surprise that she's featuring in a Star Trek episode. I am
0: surprised that the first American female aviation would be found on a planet, yes, that isn't planet Earth. Well, I am anti- surprised, Red. What are you surprised about?
2: It ties in really well to some theories, I guess, about alien abduction, if I'm remembering correctly. But we will get to that. But yes, it's very funny. And um, I'm sure we're going to have some strong feelings about that
0: episode. As anyway. we always do. Can you pre warn me if I'm going to be triggered by it?
2: There's no cheese. <laughs> it's not
0: the same thing, Red, and you well know it, but okay. Well, Let's start rebuilding okay. trust.
2: Rebuilding trust. And on that note, thank <laughs> you. Bye.
0: Aviento.